You can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Neil Armstrong was the first man to step foot on the moon, and that was quite an accomplishment, but there's nothing compared to what happened 2,000 years ago when God in human flesh stepped foot on the earth. Emmanuel, God with us. You know, there's never any event that surpasses the coming of Jesus as a baby. The virgin birth has never happened before and has never happened after. So it's an exciting time when we think about Christmas time. And uh, it's, you know, when we think about the Old Testament closing with Malachi, there's 400 years of silence. And God we didn't, uh, they didn't hear from God, 400 years. That would be like uh, 1620, go back to the Mayflower coming over. That's about how long of a period of time that they didn't hear from God. Yet when, when Matthew uh, was, when Matthew, when the New Testament started here in Matthew, we see that there, was, there were faithful individuals that were serving the Lord there at that time. Last Sunday we heard about Simeon and Anna. Today we want to look at Joseph and Mary. They were individuals that were there and waiting uh, for God's timetable. In Galatians it talks about God, uh, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son made of a woman. God has a timetable and, uh, and it's interesting that God's timetable when Jesus came, you know, it start, changed the time from B.C. to A.D., before Christ to after Christ. So... We have a, uh, an event here that ushered in the New Testament. You know, when we think about the ushering in the New Covenant, actually it probably happened at Jesus' death when he died, but we celebrate here his birthday, his birth of Jesus. Uh, like to go through the, just the story of Mary and Joseph. We're going to look at the angel first coming to Mary and Joseph in chapter 1, and we're going to look at chapter 2 when Jesus was born, and then finishing up with the shepherds and their responses of, uh, to, the, to the message that, that was given to them. So in, in Luke chapter 1, in verse 26, just want to read to, the, to uh, verse 33 at this time. It says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when, he, and when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind of what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and he shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then verse 34 says, Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, 
the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. You know, it says here that the angel came to Mary, and he's named Gabriel. Not often do we have a, the angels that uh, are named like here. Uh, Gabriel's only mentioned twice in Daniel, and when he came to appear to Zechariah, and now he appeared to Mary. So this was a special occasion, a special message from Gabriel from God, straight from God. And didn't happen a lot, and this did trouble her. I mean, it says that, that she was start troubled or startled. Just imagine Mary. You know, she was just one of the many Jewish girls at that time. She was just being Mary. She was uh, anticipating her wedding. Uh, and I believe that she was, had uh, impeccable character. I believe that if you'd look at Mary, you know, she wasn't a flirt. She wasn't... She didn't have a worldly flair. She didn't, you didn't question the music she listened to. She had impeccable character. And it says Joseph, it says of him in Matthew that he was a just man. So I believe here we have a godly couple uh, that were just uh, living godly lives. They were upright. In verse 27, it says she was espoused to Joseph. It means in, engaged. She was engaged. Now the Jewish betrothal was much more binding than our engagement that we think of today. It was, uh, if there was any immoral conduct or fornication, it would take a divorce to end that engagement. That's how it, more, it was much more binding. And in verse 27, it says that she was a virgin. It clearly says she was a virgin. And that's very important to note, and we're going to pick up on that a little bit later. But in verse 28, it says that she was highly favored the lord is with thee the angel told her blessed art thou among women it was a promise of special blessing because god had chosen her for a special purpose uh, and then in verse 30 she, the angel said don't be afraid mary it was probably a response there from 29 when she was troubled but she really didn't understand yet what was going on you know she's just this just the angel just came to her, and then in verse 31 to 33, we have the announcement. It said, you know, behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, this is the angel telling her, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And that's exactly what the angel told to Joseph. And then it goes on and says, he shall be great, and shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. So it was, God was choosing her to be the mother of the long-awaited Messiah. You know, and he says, you shall call his name Jesus, and that means Savior. More literally, Je Jehovah saves. You know, and uh, in, when the angel said something to Joseph there, he, was, he says that he will save his people from their sins. So that was his, to, his name was to be Jesus. And then it goes on, and he shall be great, and talks about how he will be great. And Mary responds in verse 34, how can this be? You know, see, she, seeing she has not known a man, practical question, she knew that she was a virgin. You know, from a scientific standpoint, that would be an impossible. You know, she's, she, she's, uh, so she's asking, you know, how can this be? You know, it wasn't unbelief here. 
but she's just, she, she wasn't saying no, it cannot be, but rather she's saying, how can it be? She's perplexed. She knew she was a virgin. She was just asking, how can it be? And in verse 35, God gives the answer. God says, the Holy Spirit, you will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. The angel said unto her, uh, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee and therefore that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. It was the, a miracle, the virgin birth. And I believe the virgin birth is under attack today. Isaiah mentions a virgin. She will be, uh, be born of a virgin. So any denial of the virgin birth just weakens the reality of the incarnation. You know, we see here, we see here in these verses and in Jesus that he was born of Mary, he was human, and he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. We see his deity. You know, his mom, she was born of Mary, his human, and his dad was the Holy Spirit. It was deity. You know, all through the Bible we see, you know, it talks about the Son of Man or the Son of God. You know, the, uh, the Son of Man uh, referring to his, his humanity and the Son of God referring to his deity. In verse 31, we see it in this, right in the angel's uh, message. In 31, we see the humanity coming out here. It says, you shall conceive and bring forth a son. As, as Mary's son, he would be human. As Mary's son, we see the humanity. And then in verse 32, it says, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And uh, there we see his, that son has a capital S on it. And that is the, his, his deity. His deity, as the son of the highest, he would be the son of God. And uh, Joseph was his stepdad. So we see his deity, and we also see his humanity. And then in verse 36, we see that the angel ended the message and he, by giving Mary a word of encouragement. You know, she reminded uh, her of her, her older relative, Elizabeth that she was with child, and says in verse 36, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she had also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was, who was barren. And it says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. He reminded, the word of encouragement was, she, he reminded her of Elizabeth, and that uh, she was with child, proving that with God all things are possible. Uh, so it's a miracle that never happened before this virgin birth and never happened after. And then it says, uh, uh, 38, she says, she comes back with her statement of commitment to God. In verse 38, it says, let it be unto me according to thy word. What a, what a response. What a humble statement of a commitment to God. A courageous expression of a wholehearted surrender to God submitting to the will of God. You know, even though her reputation is going to be damaged, even though, you know, all the gossip that would go about, you know, she's pregnant and not married. How is she going to explain this to people? How is she going to explain this to Joseph? And, you know, she tried to explain it to Joseph, and he didn't get it. He decided, Joseph decided, you know, he's going to put her away privately. You know, it took, a, it took a divorce to end this engagement, and he decided he's just going to do it as quiet as he can. And, you know, the Lord was so gracious 
with Joseph and came right beside Joseph, and he didn't know what was going on either. And uh, the Lord explained to Joseph in chapter in Matthew chapter one there what was going on, and then it says of Joseph that he did according to the Lord what he bid what he bid what he told him to do. So Joseph was obedient to the Lord as well. Looking at Mary, what a response! What a response! What a commitment! What a surrender to the will of God! Behold the handmaid of the Lord! Behold the bond slave of the Lord! You know, Mary could have said, you know, no way, and she could have missed the opportunity. Joseph could have followed through with his plans and missed the opportunity to be the stepdad of Jesus, but they followed through. They surrendered to the will of God. They were there and available. They were godly uh, in their their time. Then we see in uh, verses, uh, we're going to skip over them, but then Mary visits Elizabeth, and when she... She heard the news, her babe leaped in her womb. And, and then in verse, uh, the end of the chapter there, we see Mary's song of praise. Mary burst out in a song of praise. And now we're going to jump over to chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, and uh, verses 1 to 7 first here. And there's the, the account of the birth of Jesus. Just a very familiar account. I'm going to read the verses were just retelling the story again and again. It says in verse 1, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, 700 years earlier, Micah prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. He would be born in Bethlehem. God, in his foreknowledge, knew this Roman edict that would come out and that all would be taxed and this census that took place And what that did is that took Joseph back into his hometown of Bethlehem. Living in Nazareth, went back to Bethlehem. And just at the time that Mary was to deliver her baby boy. Now, Nazareth to Bethlehem would have been about 90-some mile. And she was uh, probably nine months pregnant, due any day, and going on a donkey on that distance to pay taxes. We don't see any complaining. We don't, see, we don't read any complaints here. We just see their obedience. They were, this is the, uh, the this Roman uh, edict came out and that took them to Bethlehem right during this time. And, in verse, and we see there in verse six, this was right the time when Jesus would be delivered. It says in verse seven, she, he was born, she wrapped him in swaddling clay, clothes and lied, laid him in a manger in the cow trough where the uh, cows and the horses uh, ate their food. That's where baby Jesus uh, rested for the night. <clears throat> wrapped him in long cloths and up tight. And there 
he was. Now, Bethlehem was probably very crowded that, that, that time because the innkeeper said there was no room. It says there was no, because there was no room in the inn. You know, we, uh, the, if, if I wonder if the innkeeper only knew that this baby boy that was to be born was the son of the living God, would have he gave up, would he found a room? Would he gave up his own room? You know, did he later find out that this was the son of God that was born in his stable? And he, did he regret not giving up his room? But, you know, the in, innkeeper, we look at it and say, well, he missed, he missed it that day. But, you know, I believe there's a great spiritual lesson for all of us. And that is, do I make room for Jesus in my daily life? Do I find time for Jesus in my daily life? Do I find time in the morning when things are tight for my devotional time? Do I make room for Jesus? Do I make room for Jesus is the question for us today. Then we see, so Jesus is born. Now we have the shepherds. And verse 8 says, and there were shepherds in the country, and there was in the same and there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And you shall find a sign, and you shall, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from, in, from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this, this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord did make known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all that heard it wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. So here we have the shepherds. And I believe there's a lot that we can learn from the shepherds. You know, I believe the shepherds responded in a right way. Uh, they believed the message. They acted on it. We see they said, let's go now and see this thing which has come to pass. They believed it. You know, and then it says they noised it abroad and witnessed to others. But why the shepherds? Did you ever think about it? Why did the message come to the shepherds? Why not the scribes or the high priests? You know, you think the announcement could have come to the leaders in the temple, but God chose the shepherds to be the first to hear and the first to tell others. Now, you know, I, I like the shepherds. You know, you think about shepherds, they're, they're uh, lowly, you know, probably very practical, uh, common sense, probably not a lot of uh, education. But, you know, shepherds were lower down in the status pole, I guess you could say. Uh, it's believed that they weren't allowed to testify in court. 
so they were, they were of the lower class. But they were engaged in what God called them to do. There was, I think there's something right in just being engaged in what God has for us to do. Occupying till I come, Jesus says. You know, they were on the job when this announcement came. And uh, God calls the poor and the lonely, lowly, not the rich and the mighty, it says in 1 Corinthians. And Jesus uh, came to be both the good shepherd and the lamb of God, to be sacrificed as the sin for the whole world. So these lambs that these shepherds were tending, they could have been lambs that were to be sacrificed in the temple. They could have been, uh, they could have been uh, lambs that would have been for sacrificing. Uh, but so isn't it fitting that the message of the good news about God's, of God's shepherd and lamb be first given to these humble shepherds? You know, in our Sunday school lesson this morning, when Herod went to the scribes and the Pharisees, you know, Herod, the wise men came to Herod, and they, the Herod went to the scribes and the Pharisees to, to find out where Jesus would be born. He was worried, so he went to the scribes and Pharisees because they would know, and they did know. I don't know if they looked it up or if they quoted it by memory, but they said in, they quoted the scripture from Micah. You know, in, in Bethlehem, he will be born. But why were the, uh, they, so they knew the scriptures, but they were unmoved. They were indifferent. They didn't go and check it out like the uh, shepherds did. So I think it was very fitting for the shepherds to be the one to be given this announcement. And in verse 9, we see an angel. It's not named here, just an angel came by night. And it says in verse 9, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And I believe this phrase suggests a cloud of amazing brightness. Uh, there was a brilliant light, maybe like the light that led the children of Israel in the wilderness, or maybe like the light that was there at the transfiguration. But there was a bright light, and they were afraid, a typical response. And in verse 10, beginning there, it says, Fear not. This divi divine setting did bring fear. But the angel said to the shepherd in verse 10, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be all to all people. To all people. Now, these, likely, these words likely settled their fear a little bit, and the angel went on to make the greatest announcement ever made. The greatest announcement ever made is in verse 11. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is shepherds out in the hillside. Out of, they probably didn't have a bath for I don't know how long. And they were... They got this message. This was their, the first to receive this message. There is born to you in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The good news of salvation for the world is not, and it's not just for the Jew. It shall be for all people, all people. And then he says, you'll, this is a sign. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. You know, the baby in a manger was probably not the norm. But swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and then this they would know, he was Christ the Lord. The only lamb that died to take away the sin of the world. Jesus came as a baby so he could die to take away the sin of the world. The, the sacrifice, the once for all sacrifice that Hebrews talks about. And then we see the angel was joined by a chorus of angels who praised God. And the peace 
the peace and goodwill that he's able to bring the peace and goodwill to men. You know, the, uh, so this chorus of angels were uh, singing and praising God. And we see here this peace, this uh, peace is goodwill to men. It means like well-being and security, soundness, completeness, completeness. Knowing Jesus is what brings peace. It's what brings peace. You know, life back then was probably a lot like today. Life was hard, difficult at times. Taxes were high. Unemployment was up. And morals were slipping like we see today. Roman military was in control. But, you know, it wasn't the Roman law. It wasn't their Greek philosophy or even the Jewish religion that could meet the, the needs of man's heart. It was knowing Jesus. It was Jesus. God sent his son. That's what can bring peace. Nothing else can bring peace. Knowing Jesus is knowing peace. Knowing peace. Jesus came. Peace I give to you, he says. So we see the peace and goodwill to men. Now in verse 14, we see the, the celebration, the burst out of praise. It says, glory to God in the highest. This is a joyous celebration. The angels, the one angel is joined by the multitude of angels and they're celebrating. And that's actually in heaven and in earth. This greatest announcement ever heard is worthy of celebration. Glory to God in the highest. I believe it's right to celebrate the birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus. You know, the date, you know, some say the date uh, it was probably not, Jesus' birthday was probably not December 25th. And, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us exact date that he was born. Some think it could have been in September. But, you know, it doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't give us the date. Neither does it give us the date of his return when he's coming back. But I believe that the, this birth of Jesus, this Christian event, calls for celebration. Just as the angels here said, glory to God in the highest and an earth peace, goodwill toward men. It's, uh, you know, even though the world celebrates Christmas, you know, they might, they might X out the Christ or they can call it Xmas or whatever, taking away Christ. But uh, as, as Christians, as a Christian, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We want, to, we want to make sure that he is involved in his party. We're having a birthday party. We want Jesus invited to his birthday party. Imagine having a birthday party and the person that's birthday it is isn't there. And that's what's going on in a lot of the world today when we see that cutting out Christ out of Christmas. You see, it's just, it's, it's just, another, it's just another holiday. It's not the Christmas, the birth of Jesus that we're celebrating. Then in verse 15, we see they're, they're, uh, they're witnessing. Or first of all, they believe that. It. it says, let us now even go unto Bethlehem. Let us now go and, and see this thing which has come to pass. So they believed the message. They acted on it. And faith requires action. We see it here. There was a prompt believing. Uh, there was a response. They received, they received by faith the message that God sent to them. And they responded with obedience. You know, they said, let's go and see this thing which has come to pass. They did not say, let's go and see if it's true. 
No, they believed it and went and saw, and con it was confirmed. But, you know, they went and, and they, they acted on their faith and with obedience. And then they came out with the, uh, this, this, uh, this announcement here. It drew them from the fields. It drew them from the fields, and they found the baby Jesus. Uh, and then they reported the good news to others. Now, imagine, these are the shepherds that weren't allowed to testify in court. But they were the first ones to go and tell everybody about it. Tell everybody. They were the first witnesses in spreading this good news. The verse says in verse 17 that they noised abroad what they seen and what they heard. You know, and their text was exactly what the angel told them in verse 10 and 11. That's what they were proclaiming. It says in verses 10 and 11, for, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That's what they were proclaiming. You know, it, uh, that's, what they were, that's what they saw and that's what they told. And like in Acts it says, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And that's what they were doing. The shepherds were faithful in telling the good news to others. Who is responsible today? Who is responsible today? Are we faithful in telling the good news of Jesus Christ? It's a great privilege and a responsibility. If we have received the personal saving gospel message, we're going to tell it to others. We're going to tell it to, you know, the, the wise men responded with adoration and, and homage to Jesus. They came and worshiped him. And that's what we need to do as well. Give him the homage. Give him the, the, uh, uh, res the honor and respect and glory due to his name. And then telling it to others. Telling it to others. And what the shepherds did, that's what God needs us to do this Christmas season. Go tell it to others. And I think I'd like to end with the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. So before, um, uh, maybe we can all stand. And I'll have a word of prayer, and afterward, Nate, you can lead that song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Let's stand together and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Christmas season. Thank you so much for what you've done in sending your only begotten son into the world as a baby. And we thank you that he didn't stay a baby, that he grew up and became a man. He died on the cross so that every person could experience salvation. And Father... We thank you for the faithful shepherds that were faithful in first believing the message and then telling it to others. Lord, help us to believe the scriptures as written. Believe the virgin birth. Believe that he, he came and, and died for the sins of the world and to believe that he's at, the, at your right hand today interceding for us and he can sympathize with us. He knows what we're going through. Father, help us to be also witnesses for you, just like the shepherds. What they, they, they said to others what they seen and heard. Help us to be faithful in sharing the good news to all that we meet. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' worthy name. Amen.